It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This, my friends, is Access Atlanta. It's a new podcast that shares the best things to do, see, eat, and experience. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison, and this week I am here with Bob Miller and Eric Miller of Yona Mountain Vineyards. Welcome, guys. Thank you. And uh, we're here because they have an event coming up, but... We're also going to talk about the winery uh, in general. We're going to talk about some of the cool things they do there, um, what kind of wines they have. Uh, We're going to try to cover a little bit of everything. Um, But first, I wanted to talk about uh, the origins of it. How did you get started doing this? Well, my wife and I decided to buy some land as an investment to get out of the stock market have a little real estate investment, and so we looked at farms, and we decided to buy this 200-acre farm, which my wife had no idea how big 200 acres was. <laughs> From the front to the back is one mile. I fenced the whole thing, and it's three and a half miles of fence, wow. which I've walked once. I'm going to walk again someday. <laughs> and so this is sort of a bad story, because we bought the land just as a land investment. I had right. no intention of doing grapes and wine at the moment. But a friend of mine said, you know, Bob, you got 200 acres. What are you going to do with all that land? Why don't you plant some grapes? Right. So we didn't know anything about planting grapes. I said, we knew the difference between a $10 bottle of wine and an $80 bottle of wine <laughs> at our age. So I said, if I'm going to do this, I want to make really good wine. I want to make high-end wine. Yeah. So we went out to Napa where we liked the wines, and we hired a consulting family to work with us. Mm-hmm. And they we're their little Georgia project here in Georgia. Right. Um, they farm 1,000 acres in Napa. They deal with 40 different winemakers. They become great friends. They come out every year. We go out there every year. And so they have helped us elevate the quality of what we wanted to do with our wine. Right. So it's been really fun to have that uh, association. So we started slowly. We just went out there, and I was retired. So we planted two acres the first year, and then we planted three acres, and then five acres, and eight acres. We have close to 20 acres in the ground right now, um, producing about 4,000 cases of wine a year, which is very small in the wine world. Uh, and then my wife claims I'm OTT. You know what OTT is? Over the top? She thinks I'm over the top. So when we <laughs> built, well, the first seven years, I put all the money in the wine. If we didn't have good wine, I was going to close it down. It was going right. to be all done. Once we had good wine, then people want to see the farm. So we built a tasting room five years ago. Right. And that was the over the top thing. We built an octagon. And then a, <laughs> two years ago, we built an event center where we do weddings. Uh, holds 550 people for a sit-down dinner or a thousand people for a concert, so it's very, very useful for what we want to do. We do 
We did 24 weddings last year. We'll do about 32 weddings this year. So wow. it's fun to be able to have that. Uh, it's very flexible for us to have that. But again, my wife thought we went a little bit larger than she, – she pictured a garage with a couple hundred cases of wine. Right. You know, we're retired. We're going to make a little bit of wine, have a little bit of fun. So this has turned into a bigger project. And right. so luckily, we caught our son at a time when he was a little burned out from the uh, music industry. Uh, he had worked for Georgia Tech for 13 years. He was their drum instructor, and he started the Atlanta Falcon drum line. So I asked him to come and be our general manager. Right. He's perfect for the job. He's got all the best background to handle what I don't want to do anymore because I'm too old and fat. <laughs> and so he comes in, and he runs the whole place for us. Right. We've got a staff of about 35 people. He knows how to handle people. He knows how to do the programs. And so it's a fun relationship that we have a generation, a generational business now. It's working well. Right, right. So, Eric, you you started, how, how long ago was this? That Well, I, uh, I was always helping their right. projects, right? So it's like I was always just coming in and fixing all their little issues that they had and fixing the problems and teaching the point of sale stuff. So by 2011, they were like, we need you here full time. Like this, this is starting to feel like real work. And mm-hmm. we didn't want, we're supposed to be retired. Right. <laughs> we didn't actually want to do any of the stuff. You know, we just wanted to sit around and talk to people and drink wine. So 2011, I, I full-time came on, and that was right around the same time I was having my three daughters. So they are now, what are they, five, seven, and nine. They're right. like zero, two, and four around that time, I think. And um, yeah, so we, we just started there, and once I came on, we started to build infrastructure, and we built, the, the like he said, the Octagon, the tasting room, and that's when we really started pushing our cave tours, which we have, and that's one thing always leads to another with our over-the-top attitude about everything, mm-hmm. and since we built a whole building from the ground up, we wanted it to be as energy efficient as possible, and sustainability was always uh, one of the things that we wanted to do, and we were always excited about technology so anything new that was coming out we (laughs) share that passion and uh teslas were just coming out right around 2011 2012 so when we built the building around 2013 we were like we should put in tesla chargers yeah so the cars can come in electric cars can come and charge here and everybody thought we were crazy they're like there's not even any electric cars what are you (laughs) talking about and now it's been great like now here we are 2019 and we're on the map we have 14 Tesla chargers, I think, on property, right? Which is a lot. So you do. There's also like, is there an event that involves the cars that Uh, you do? Sometimes. So now that we have the the facility, like all kinds of events come our way. I mean, we'll do all kinds of uh, fundraising events, and we'll do wine in house events, and we do the weddings, and then of course there's car clubs. They love to bring their cars to a beautiful destination, and so we've had Porsches, we've had Ferraris, we've had Corvette Club, and the Tesla Club. Like there's like a little unofficial. Atlanta Tesla owners group mm-hmm. and they've come up a few times in fact we're due to get them to come back yeah. up here again yeah especially now that we have 14 chargers and uh, that's when we added the solar panels was just this year so now we actually added more Tesla pa- uh, chargers where you can plug in directly off the sun oh wow and that's yeah. a big thing people are always <laughs> like oh well I mean you're still using fossil fuels right. if you're charging a Tesla and you're like well not if you have solar panels and so we have some that are right off the solar panels, and uh, we have about a 106-kilowatt solar panel system. Yeah, as far as we know, we're the only winery on the East Coast that has solar panels right now. We put wow. them in, in operation in February, um, and it's cut our electric cost in half. 
So wow. that's one of the things we did. Eric mentioned when we built the tasting room, we were one of the first ones to put all LED light bulbs in. They were fairly new at that time. We right. had to go to China to get our light bulbs. <laughs> so in a winery, you want to keep it cool. So we wanted those cool lights and uh, energy-efficient lights. So we're 100% LEDs in our uh, winery, too. So I mentioned that yeah. we, we, uh, we built our tasting room when we finally decided we had good wine. And what I do to determine good wine is what I call blind taste tests. Right. Our flagship wine is Genesis. My daughter said, name your first wine after the first book of the Bible as your beginning, and we called it Genesis. And uh, that's one we sell twice as much of any wine that we have. Ah. So I take our $55 bottle of Genesis, and I go out to Napa and buy $100 bottles of wine. And we go in with a group of people, 10, 15, 20 people. We taste blindly, A and B, don't know which one is which, and then we vote. Right. And we started winning 70% of those taste tests. So wow. that's when we knew we had a pretty good product. That's terrific. So I do that all the time with the winemaker. We, we go get some really nice wine and say, can you make it like this $400 bottle of wine? Right. <laughs> and uh, it's allowed our winemaking team to get better because yeah. I don't think many people do that. We do the comparisons with some of the best wines in the world. Yeah. Plus, I like to open a $400 bottle of wine and taste it and see what it's like. Right. Yeah. I wanted to start off and have one great white and one great red. Mm-hmm. I wanted to keep it simple because as I went around all the other wineries, some wineries have 30, 40, 50 wines they'll right. sell you. To me, it's a little confusing as a consumer. So let's make a great red and a great white. So we have that flagship red blend. It has five red grapes in it, our Genesis. Right. And then the five grapes that are in Genesis are Cabernet Sauvignon. So sometimes we make a standalone cab. Mm-hmm. Then we have Merlot. Sometimes we have a Mer- currently have a Merlot. And then the, the, the blending grapes are Cab Franc, Petit Verdot, and Malbec. Mm-hmm. We have a Malbec. We just came out with a Petit Verdot, which is a very unusual wine. You won't find that in many restaurants. It's a blending right. grape. It's hardly ever out there. It's a standalone. It's one of our fantastic red grapes. Yep. Right. It's going to be one of our really all-star varietals that we have with that. And then in the white category, my wife and I like Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. So I tell people it's our winery. So we make the wines that we like. <laughs> so we have... Uh, we just harvested 21 tons of Chardonnay, yeah. which is going to be our biggest crop ever. Our biggest crop wow. ever. 21 tons. Last year we had 1.7 tons. So it was a really good harvest. Yes. And we'll have five different kinds of Chardonnay that we're going to put together out of that harvest. Um, so we're very excited about our Chardonnay. And then we have Sauvignon Blanc, <laughs> which is another light white that we have. Right. And um, what are the. Oh, we're coming out with a Riesling. Well, a Petit Mansing. Oh, yeah, Petit Mansing. My wife wanted Petit Mansing. I said, wait a minute. You know, if, if we're out there selling wine and people walk up to us, everyone knows what Chardonnay is. Right. I yeah. said, now I'm going to say, how would you like some Petit Mansing? No one's ever heard of Petit. Right. I said, it's going to be sort of hard to sell. So it's an exotic cross blend between France and America. It's a white grape that grows very easily, uh, that harvests very well, and we're going to make a dessert wine out of that. A late harvest. Ah, okay. Late harvest. Late harvest. Right. Petite man sing. Just have something a little exotic, a little different. It won't be much of it. It'll be a right. small amount. So yeah. only on exceptional years, which so far we've only had two out of the ten, we can do something called a late harvest, which is what he's referencing. Right. Which means you let the grapes hang longer and they get sweeter. They right. get sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. And there's a level of sugar, sugar called bricks. And usually we harvest right around 20 to 22, 24. A great year. I mean, we're having 24 bricks right now. But if it's dry enough and it doesn't, there's no disease pressure, you let it hang and you can get them up to 36 or 39 bricks. And we're doing that this year. The only other time 
we've even been able to do it was 2016. Right. Because there was this huge drought, which is fantastic for the wines, but it's terrible for everybody else. Right. right. <laughs> so we don't mind, and there's a drought, and people are complaining you can't water your grass. And we're like, ah, so bad. But it's really good yeah. because we have a fantastic crop. And so this is this is going to be, I think, the banner year. We're going to do a Petit Mansing late harvest and a Chardonnay late harvest. I mean, he keeps talking about the blind tests, and, and people all want to do this now with us, right? So now that we had a tasting room, we said, you know, we do this at home on Wednesday night with Chinese food. Like, we should invite some other people to do this. Right. So we've made it a new regular thing. It's called the Reserve Wine Taste. And it's always with Bob. And Bob and Jane, my the owners, mom and dad, so they do it, and the wine uh, maker is always there, and we do it one the second Sunday of every month. Mm-hmm. So now it's like we just book out the entire year. We know, all right, second Sunday of every month, and Dad picks four now. We do one white and three reds, and he picks from his stash, like usually Napa wine because that's his favorite style. Right. And then we'll pull out the same varietal and the same year, the vintage, and like the same styles of wine and do them blind. And, and we don't even know which ones they are, yeah. which just makes it fun for us. So... We don't know. The staff has to do it in the back, and then they bring out all the wines, and then everybody gets to taste eight tastes of wine. And then we have a gourmet chef that comes and makes a food pairing for each one. Mm-hmm. So it becomes this really first-class experience that apparently nobody else does. Like, wineries don't ever want to put themselves out there and compare wine to themselves. In a blind, right. t- in a blind test. In a blind situation. It takes away all the BS. Right, so It's yeah. not scientific because it's just a bunch of people that like to drink right. wine. But it's an indication, you know. We vote. Sure. Which one do you think is better? Right. And we're uh, it makes me nervous every se- second Sunday of every month. <laughs> I'm pulling out. I pulled out a four hundred and fifty dollar bottle of wine, Joseph Phelps Insignia, against our totem, our little hundred dollar bottle of wine. Right. We had eleven people tasting. Seven out of the eleven thought our wine was better. That's great. So that made us feel really good because that was a really tough test. Yeah. We don't win all of them, but we we're right in the ballpark. You have uh, an event coming up. We do have an event coming up. So we, uh, we're we always trying to come up with new fun things to do. And this year, we're going to call it the Hands-On Harvest Experience. Right. So we've put it all together. Last year was the first year we tried it out, and it was a great success. So we let people actually come out and harvest our grapes. Mm-hmm. And so we legitimately, they're the great, we have to wait for the winemaker and their, our vineyard manager, Jorge, He's like, I can't, I don't know exactly when we could do this, you know, because it comes down to the 24 hours. Right. And we're like, just give us a date. You just got to give us a date and we're going to do it. We're going to harvest a row. So last year we had about 30 people come out and they get that we give them all the pruners and they literally get to clip the grapes off the vines and you put them in a bucket and we do it just like we do all the rest of our vines and we bring them in and we'll even show them in a quicker way how we process the fruit right so like they'll get it into about a ton maybe one row and all our team is there and then we give everybody wine because you know mainly they want to drink sure so there's not as much pruning and drinking at the same time so there's pruning and then there's the drinking and then they get to watch the team as they uh come in into the winery and they'll squish the grapes and they show how we inoculate it with the yeast Mm -hmm. and how we pump it out and then they'll they'll show it and then we get uh we give everybody lunch yeah. So it'll be like a Saturday morning. I think it's on the 28th, right? September 28th. 10 o'clock. Yeah, 10 a.m. Yeah. So it's $70 per, uh, $70 a person, and that's with a picnic lunch. And uh, you can do it for $55 if you don't want the lunch. Right. But it's great. But you get wine. It was fun last year. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. The wine so helps. Once they have helps. two or three glasses of wine, they right. go into the winery. They can see everything working. Mm-hmm. It, first off, it's pretty educational. Yeah. Like when I first started... 
I don't know nothing about nothing. I didn't. I don't know how. You, how do you pick a grape? Right. I didn't never knew anything about grapes. So it's sort of interesting to see it happen firsthand. Mm-hmm. We take our entire staff that's in our tasting room and we require them all to pick, to plant, to prune, to cork, to bottle, to do the whole process. So when they're up there in the tasting room, they can talk intelligently to right. the clientele because they've done it. Yeah. And it's sort of fun. I mean, they wouldn't want to pick for three weeks, but to go out for three or four hours to have the experience of picking is, is really, and these people last year that came, they really enjoyed oh, yeah. having a chance to get out there and pick grapes. Thanks so much for uh, coming down and talking with us about wine and about the vineyard and, and all of that. Um, we really appreciate it. And everybody, you can check out, it, the the website is uh, yonamountainvineyards.com. Correct. Is that right? That's right. And um, so you can go there and check out all the wines, see you know what it's all about. Let's see what's happening in and around Atlanta over the next 10 days. See home improvement exhibitors, live radio broadcasts, product demonstrations, and more at the annual Fall Atlanta Home Festival. Celebrity speakers and home and landscape experts are on hand, including Atlanta's own Ty Pennington. The Extreme Makeover Home Edition and Trading Spaces star will appear at 1 p.m. on Sunday, September 29th. The show will also include the UGA Extension Plant Market, where attendees can buy plants provided by Athens Wholesale Nursery. Adjacent to the market will be the Ask a Master Gardener booth, staffed by gardening experts eager to answer questions and share their horticultural knowledge. The Fall Atlanta Home Show happens September 27th, 28th, and 29th at the Cobb Galleria Center. Tickets are $10 at the event or $8 in advance. Find all the info at fallatlantahomeshow.com. Spend a day in the final resting place of some of Atlanta's most famous folks as Oakland Cemetery presents Sunday in the Park. From noon to 6 p.m. September 29th, attendees will find activities for all ages and interests, including living history theater performances, performances by the Atlanta Opera, Big Bethel AME Heavenbound Choir, and others. There will also be cemetery tours, food trucks, live music, storytelling, a kid's zone, a historical costume contest, and more. The event also includes a market with one-of-a-kind wares from local artists. Sunday in the Park happens from noon to 6 p.m. September 29th in Atlanta's historic Oakland Cemetery at 248 Oakland Avenue at Memorial Drive. The event is free, but you'll find all the details at oaklandcemetery.com. The Atlanta Opera opens its 2019-2020 season with Frida. The show, which follows the story of artist Frida Kahlo and her marriage to Diego Rivera, is part of the opera's Discovery series, which focuses on more recent works and takes place in alternative venues. The opera's usual home is the Cobb Energy Center. Frida, composed in 1991 by Robert Xavier Rodriguez, will be performed at the Sandy Springs Performing Arts Center October 5th through the 13th. The show combines pantomime, puppetry, movement, and vocal performers, and enlists mariachi instruments in a blend of tango, ragtime, 1930s jazz, and vaudeville. See Frida at the Sandy Springs Performing Arts Center at City Springs beginning October 5th and continuing through October 13th. Tickets are $28 to $68, and you can get those and more info at atlantaopera.org. On Sunday, September 29th, Atlanta will host two behemoths of British rock. Both King Crimson and Deep Purple got their start in the late 1960s. 
King Crimson, which plays the Cobb Energy Center, coalesced around guitarist Robert Fripp, the band's leader and sole remaining original member, in 1968. They released the startling and innovative in the Court of the Crimson King in 1969 and continued with an ever-evolving lineup through 1974. The reconstituted band reformed for the first time in 1981, but there will be more hiatuses and reformations to come. As long as Fripp is on board, you're in for a fascinating night of music. Nearby at the Coca-Cola Roxy at SunTrust Park, Deep Purple takes the stage. Deep Purple got going in 1968 too and released two albums that year before undergoing the first of many lineup shifts. It was the second incarnation of the band that made the biggest impact, pioneering heavy metal and creating one of the most iconic riffs in all of rock with Smoke on the Water. Three members of that lineup, Ian Gillen, Ian Pace, and Roger Glover, are part of the current band, along with guitarist Steve Morse and keyboardist Don Airy. See Deep Purple at 8 p.m. September 29th at the Coca-Cola Roxy. Tickets are $69.50 to $129.50 and are available at coca-cola-roxy.com. King Crimson is at the Cobb Energy Center at 7.30 p.m. September 29th. Tickets for that are $49 to $129, and you can get those at CobbEnergyCenter.com. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felicien. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.